Hey, what's up everybody and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host Michael and this episode is Q&A number 5. Today I'll answer two questions, one on sprint interval training and then three questions lumped into one on planning your training across the year basically. We'll get into that in just a few short minutes, but first let's thank our sponsors. Precision Hydration makes electrolyte products that you can use in training and racing to stay on top of your hydration, your electrolyte and your sodium needs in particular because in your sweat you will lose quite a lot of electrolytes and that is very individual so you cannot rely on just generic uh, sports drinks formulas that typically contain less sodium than than most athletes actually need and lose in, in their sweat. And now with winter approaching, a lot of us are going back to training indoors, training on our trainers. And uh, in fact, even with a fan, this is uh, probably one of the sweatiest types of exercise you can do. So even though the sun is gone for six months or so, depending on where you live, you are probably going to do a lot of sweating during the winter. And we'll actually talk about that in the second question today. And for that reason, it makes sense to load up on the precision hydration electrolytes now so that you can make sure that those trainer workouts and even treadmill workouts, if you run indoors, are performed in an optimally hydrated state with the electrolytes that you need. So you can get your first box of precision hydration product for free with the promo code DATTRIATHLONSHOW, all one word, all caps, on precisionhydration.com. And big thank you to Stack that uh, makes the world's quietest indoor bike trainers. Again, this is very timely with us going into winter mode, winter training mode. If you want to get up and train early in the morning and not wake your kids, wake your spouse, uh, the, the Stack Zero is your best choice for bike trainer because it uses magnets rather than a flywheel to provide resistance to the wheels. So you won't hear a thing from any of their models. And they have three different models at three different price points for different uh, features that you may want. So go and check them all out on stackzero.com. That's S-T-A-C-Zero spelled out dot com. And the one that uh, you fancy, you can get for 20% off with the promo code TTS20 on stackzero.com. All right, today's first question is from Marcus Gregory in New Mexico, United States. And he writes, I listened to the Sprint Interval Training podcast. It was fantastic. My question is, are the four times 30 second sprints with four minutes rest done as a single workout freestanding or done at the beginning or end of a workout? My thought was one mile warm up, do the reps and then one mile cool down. Uh, all done as done as its own workout. I was thinking to add this to my overall plan. For the bike, could I incorporate these reps into my long ride since the efforts are hard but few? Thanks for all the hard work you put into the, these podcasts. I greatly appreciate them. Thank you, Marcus. This uh, was a great question and uh, glad you asked it so I can clarify it while it's still fresh on everybody's minds. Uh, if you didn't listen to it, the Sprint Intro Training Podcast was uh, episode 151 with uh, Jerome Corral. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Uh, but basically, my answer is uh, definitely add a warm up. Absolutely, there's uh, you cannot go into these sprints cold. So for running, I would suggest at least 15 minutes of warm up, including a few minutes of 
uh, moderately hard to hard running in that warm-up so start easy but then you gradually progress and do a couple of minutes of hard running and then you can slow down a bit and do some two or three minutes of jogging before you start your main set and for the bike, uh, follow the same concept there. You want to do at least 15 minutes of warm-up, including uh, a build of intensity there uh, before you do the main set. And uh, yes, I do think that you can do them as part of your long ride. But if you do, definitely do them fairly early on when you're still fresh. You should be warmed up, again, of course, as discussed, but you should be fresh. So you can do them after like 20 to 30 minutes and uh, not after two to three hours. So that should answer the question and it was a short and sweet one. So let's get into the next one, which is not so short and uh, not so easy to answer. Basically, I got a lot of questions that were quite similar. So I lumped them all into one. So these questions are from Ian from Sweden, Yvan from Switzerland and Jaden from Canada. Uh, so first, uh, Ian writes uh, more or less that uh, during the fall and winter, uh, I'm translating here on the fly from Swedish, which is why <laughs> I'm struggling to uh, to read this question. During the fall and winter, I was thinking of doing more frequent but shorter workouts and combine that with, uh, with strength training. And uh, for the spring, I was thinking of increasing my volume, reduce the strength training and increase the amount of high intensity. How do you distribute your training across the year and the season? Uh, and then we have uh, Ivan from Switzerland that writes, uh, I could not test your program for triathlon spring training this year because uh, I was injured, unfortunately. Now I'm better, but the season is over. Do I have to start a basic preparation, even though the next races are in more than seven months, or do I do a maintenance program? And finally, Jaden's question is, uh, Hi, Michael, looking to improve my training for the 2019 season. A quick question about base training. If I would like to run my best race in July, working 12 weeks back for build peak plus taper gives me 30 weeks to work with. You suggest 12 weeks for base training. What is the best use of my time in the next few months? All right. So as you can see, those are quite similar in that they all are about uh, how to plan your training now from a big picture perspective which is good that people are thinking about that and not just the, because that is important to think about the big picture it's much more important than the small workout details that's uh, very minor compared to the big picture uh, but if we try to boil all of these questions down into one because essentially they are asking the same thing then that would be that question would be now is the so-called off season and there's a long time until the racing season we're in mid-october as i record this even approaching end of october and as you hear this episode as well and uh, in the northern hemisphere this means that we're going into into the off season and uh, many people don't have goal races until next summer summer of 2019 so let's first make it very clear that season planning is a very big and complex topic and there is no formula and no single right way or ideal way to do this. It is a multifactorial problem with multiple solutions and they're all dependent on uh, what your individual circumstances are. Uh, there are, of course, for you as an individual, there are solutions that are better than others. But without knowing a lot about these details about the, the individual athlete and their circumstances, it's uh, really very rarely possible to say that one approach would be better than another. And 
one more piece of uh, before we prep before we get into my answers for the questions is that I have covered this topic from many different angles before on the podcast. Uh, so do go back and check the archives. There are episodes like uh, how to create your training plan or the beginner's guide to triathlon training plans. I think it's called. There are other there are beginner tip episodes that touch on this topic quite a lot and uh, all sorts of things really so do check the podcast archives but uh, it is worth repeating as it is such an important question and we are now heading into that time of year so first uh, let me say that i am guilty of throwing around the terms like base training and uh, yes even in some podcast or maybe some blog blog post or email i might have recommended 12 weeks but uh, be aware that that is a very generic recommendation and it is just good as a starting point. It might not be the best for you. Uh, so uh, I actually try now these days to use those terms less and less and less and less, especially in the context of uh, coaching age group athletes. And the main reason for this is that, uh, and actually in case you take nothing away from this uh, interview except for what I'm going to say now, do take this away. Uh, for many athletes, when you put the term base training on a given time period, it ten- tends to give the athlete license to, or they tend to give themselves license to not actually improve their fitness or improve anything at all, really. Just go through the motions, but uh, quite haphazardly and, and not really having any sort of plan or uh, information intel about what their objective, what they want to achieve there is. And I think that is just the wrong way to to try to approach this, uh, especially from an age group perspective, because you have much more limited time even going into the sunnier and warmer spring and summer. So you probably won't be able to train that much anyway in that time of year. So you will need more so than the pros improve throughout the year and not have it limited to certain periods of big, big, big volume training. And then you can basically chill out for a couple of months that's uh, two months that that you could have used to improve because the the rate of improvement will still be slower as uh, it's just not possible for us normal people that are not professionals to train to the amount that the professionals do in the racing season so uh, so that that is uh, a little background and uh, a couple of terms that might be better to think of than than base training and build training as uh, etc is what's used in the literature is often general preparation and specific preparation. And uh, they are actually much better, now that I think of it, than base training and build, uh, just because for many people that base training ends up becoming such a complete waste of time, uh, to be honest. So, But if you think of that, that as general preparation rather than base training... It is implicitly understood, at least that's how I feel about the term, uh, general preparation. It still implies that you should always be trying to improve. So it's just more specific improvement, specific preparation, the closer you get to the race. But it's always about improvement. So try to maybe use thinking those terms. Rather than thinking about base training, think about general preparation and then closer to the race, specific preparation. So now to get into the specific examples. If uh, you are now starting to think about what you want to do to be in peak shape for your 2018, um, 2019 races, first of all, you probably had and you should have had a bit of a break after your last 2018 race. And now if you're getting back into training towards the end of October, uh, it becomes time, if you've had your break, 
to get laser focused on improvements that will help you race faster come summer. And the way that you should approach this is to start by analyzing your strengths and weaknesses, but most importantly, your race-specific limiters. So a weakness might be that you're not good at uh, climbing on the bike. But if your key races are all flat, then that doesn't matter. But a limiter might be that uh, you actually lack the bike power to go fast on any course. So then that bike power is a limiter and you should prioritize that. Other limiters might be swim technique, it might be run fitness, etc. So you need to know where you have the most room for improvement and uh, also if that room for improvement is actually a limiter for your race. So again, for a flat course, that uh, hill climbing weakness is not going to be a limiter. Uh, But that is uh, sort of an extreme example. Uh, Anyway, this is not just restricted to fitness, It, it also is about... Uh, transitions, nutrition, performing in hot climates, etc. So let's say, for example, that your clear limiter is running, uh, running fitness, then make improving your run fitness your top priority or one of your top priorities. That doesn't mean that it's the top priority every single week, but it does mean that you should include periods with run training that is planned to challenge you significantly so you can adapt and so you can improve and become faster. It should not be just about easy base miles, even if we're going into winter. If running is your biggest limiter right now, then now is the time to start putting in a hard running block, I think. Of course, it should all be gradually uh, approached, so you cannot suddenly start to double your running volume and include intensity when you've never done that before, suddenly go to two hard workouts per week. You need to be sensible here, but you need to to prioritize that and and with whatever baseline you have, make a challenging block of run training if that is what you're going to focus on in in that block. So for example, if you're used to running, doing two runs per week, then maybe for a period of time starting now, you, uh, you add one run per week and you make sure that at least one of your weekly runs has a hard main set uh, that will challenge you to push and that will make you improve. What about if you're a, quite a well-rounded athlete? So you're pretty all-round, have a fairly equally strong across all disciplines and don't have any particular limiters. Well, then depending on your ability level, I see that you have two options. Uh, if you are more towards the mid-pack or back of the pack, then you can uh, try to gradually improve in all disciplines. And uh, so this is much easier to do if you have more room to grow. If you're already a very advanced athlete, I don't think this is easy or necessarily even possible. Uh, If you are an advanced athlete, very strong, then you should make one discipline at a time a focus and use more of a block training approach. You don't have to use block training, uh, but you have to prioritize one discipline at a time, to be clear. So maybe if it's run training, you do most of your intense workouts for the week in running, actually, and you leave the bike and swimming quite easy in all the bike and swim workouts. Going back to the for the mid to back of the packer example, when you can potentially try to improve at least two, if not three disciplines uh, at the same time, although those improvements will be slower compared to if you focus on just one, then, well, you know that fitness improvements are always a result from a progressive overload that you recover from and adapt to. And that progressive overload can come in, can come in two forms, which is either volume or intensity. So if you want to have fitness improvements, you must push one of those two variables, volume or intensity, 
to to really challenge you. And for most intermediate and advanced athletes especially, pushing volume isn't really feasible in winter. Maybe if you're a beginner and you really don't have a strong training background, then volume can actually be the more important thing to rather than add a lot of intensity, you might have room to inc- increase your volume and that might be the best way to go about things. But for the intermediate to advanced athlete, uh, they might already be using all of their available hours possible to train. So let's say it's eight to nine hours or something like that, seven to 10. Then intensity becomes the only variable that you have to play around with. So it's pretty simple, really. Uh, Then you just need to try to make sure that you have at least one intense workout per week, but potentially especially in swimming and biking which are less of an injury risk you might have two intense workouts and that of course depends on how much your how big your overall training volume is because you can't just train hard all the time but uh, but but it, it is entirely feasible to have two hard swims and two hard bikes per week and and then possibly also one or two hard runs this really is individual and uh, you need to find out what works for you or discuss with your coach what might work for you but but anyway you you need to just try to progress that intensity week on week or maybe you do it in in 14 day blocks so you have you stay at one level for two weeks and then you try to slightly improve maybe increase the volume of intensity or something like that do whatever it takes to get in that progressive overload and make sure that it it is also progressive compared to what you have been doing in the past like when you were training in the summer if you were then doing three hard swings per week and two easy swings per week and now you are trying to improve on two hard swings per week it it will be difficult because you have already built up that stronger base and uh, your body is used to that sort of big stimulus so now a stimulus that might be big for somebody is not really that big for you and it will be difficult to improve in that case so you need to consider your training history there and especially your recent training history is most important uh, then just quickly mentioning for the especially for the advanced athletes but to some extent in the uh, sorry intermediate athletes uh, block periodization is something that may be useful this simply means i have an episode on that i'll link to it in the show notes i don't remember the number right now but i'll link to it and it's basically that you focus most of your training for a certain block for example let's call it three weeks on one discipline so let's call it running in this case then you do a three week block with a lot of running and uh, just a little biking and swimming compared to what you're used to anyway and the running would be a lot compared to what you're used to not compared to what Mo Farah is used to. So for the advanced athlete that's used to training hard, uh, it might be difficult to improve all disciplines at a time. Block periodization might be the way to go. You can still do enough and you can make those few swims and bikes that you have in that running block or one or two of the few swims and runs, you can make them hard to maintain your top end as well. And then the progressive overload, the overload that you get from the increased running volume because it's a bigger block or intensity it doesn't have to be a big volume block it can be just a a dense intensity block if you think that you can handle it that will be the uh, stimulus needed for you as an advanced athlete to improve so block prioritization is a great option if you are on the more advanced side now i'm not saying that uh, if your your fitness in any one or all three of the disciplines is your limiter or what you want to improve on 
that doesn't mean that you go out and smash every single week. You should have recovery weeks, as we talked about many times before on the podcast. Uh, Christmas, uh, Thanksgiving, those are great periods to to put in some easier rest-up period, periods with just easy training and a lighter volume. And also, be clear on the fact that fitness does not have to be your main limiter. It might be technique. In particular, swim technique is a common one. And uh, if that is the case, then this becomes your focus. So maybe swim technique is your number one priority. That might mean that all of your swim training is technique focused. But it doesn't exclude doing one hard bike and one hard run per week. Uh, That could help you at least maintain that bike and run fitness that you have built up while you're improving your swim and reducing that swim limiter. So I guess in summary, what I would say and encourage you to think of is to think less in terms of specific phases and more in terms of objectives for improvement. What do you want to improve right now? What is your main limiter? And work on that, have focus blocks for that. You don't have to work on your limiter all the time. You can work on your strengths. You should work on your strengths as well. But but do take these things into consideration and think about how you can improve and what improvements you need to do your best racing next summer. This is, of course, a very individual process, so I can't give you the answer. This is why if you have a coach, that is such an invaluable uh, investment because the coach can help you assess what your priorities should be as an individual. And that is not something that's possible to answer on a podcast, not knowing what uh, the individual backgrounds of uh, the people asking is. Uh, But one thing that uh, I want to make clear and reiterate is that don't think that just because it's autumn or winter, you should switch into just doing easy base miles. That's almost always the wrong approach for age group triathletes. And finally, to address a few of the specific points in the respective questions. First, in Ian's question, he mentions that during the uh, fall and winter, I'm thinking of doing more frequent workouts uh, supplemented with strength training. And then for spring, I was thinking of increasing my volume and reduce strength training and increase the amount of intensity. Just one comment here, not a good idea to increase volume and intensity at the same time in spring. It makes sense to increase volume in spring and keep it lower now because that's when you will get more more hours of daylight, etc., better weather. But keep up the intensity and build up the intensity now and that will allow you to not increase both at the same time come spring. And in the second question, Ivan's question, do I have to start a basic preparation uh, program or do I do a maintenance program right now? So here I want to talk about the maintenance, the use of the term maintenance program. And I think that there are very, very few cases where an age grouper might want to have maintenance, just maintenance as a goal for a period. And certainly when we're talking about any period longer than a month, in this case, it's a period of several months, then I think that uh, maintenance periods is just a waste of time. You should be focusing on improvements in your general preparation if we return to that term. And finally, Jaden's question, he writes that if I would like to run my best race in July, working 12 weeks back for Build Peak Taper gives me 30 weeks to work with. What is the best use of time here? So working 12 weeks back is fine. Consider that your specific preparation period uh, for that 30 weeks, which forms your general preparation. Uh, Again, just quickly summarizing what I said earlier. Analyze your limiters and your strengths and weaknesses. Get to work on especially your limiters, but also make room for improvements in your strengths. 
you shouldn't just work on. But this question also brings up an important point because it is a long time until next racing season. 30 weeks plus then 12 weeks. Of course, I got this question maybe a couple of weeks ago. So maybe it's 28 weeks plus 12 in this case, but uh, I'm not sure. It's still a heck of a long time. So definitely you need to set yourself some intermediate goals and targets. B races on the way would be great, but even just things like regular tests, time trials with specific targets would be great to keep that motivation going and uh, also to check in and see how your training is actually working for you. Are you making the improvements that you should be making or not? I hope that you enjoyed this Q&A and found it useful. I want one thing that is related to the latest question, the second one about how to structure your training across the year, but now especially going into winter and autumn. I think that strength training is something that almost anybody could benefit from, any triathlete, I should say, or endurance athlete. And if you are interested in getting a triathlon-specific strength training program that that is the result of uh, countless research, a lot, a lot, a lot of research and uh, testing on myself, on my own athletes, fine-tuning, improving, iterating, then you should check out my strength training program that uh, I just recently launched on my website as well as Training Peaks. So now you can buy the PDF version of the plan directly on scientifictriathlon.com. You will find it under plans and strength training. And by the way, if you want that program on Training Peaks, you can do so and just email me your receipt and I will send you that PDF file as well for no extra cost. So you can you can do that if you're a Training Peaks user and want both options. But it's uh, the reception has been really great. I'm so grateful for everybody that has been sending me feedback and thanking me for the program. And I think we have close to 100 uh, uh, people now using that program. So that is absolutely fantastic. And I wish you guys all the best of luck with that. Okay, so big thank you to our sponsors. First, we have Stack that you can find on stackzero.com. The link to in the show notes. Heading into fall and winter, you will need a bike trainer if you live in the northern hemisphere. It's and it's it is actually even if you live in the southern hemisphere or if you live somewhere where I do in Lisbon, where you can bike outside year round, a trainer is useful because you actually can do so much, so great quality on the trainer that is very difficult to do in most places outdoors. So check out Stack Zero. It's completely quiet, so you can train in the morning while the family sleeps and uh, it is light and portable you can fold it and put it under your bed when you're not using it it is just a great piece of kit and they have it in base uh, models and in power meter equipped models and in their new stack zero halcyon model which is a smart trainer check them out on stackzero.com and use the promo code tts20 to get 20 percent off your trainer and a big thanks to Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Definitely, when you sit on that stack trainer, you will be sweating if you are doing a hard workout and you will be losing a lot of electrolytes. So make sure to not ignore the electrolytes this this winter season just because of the fact that uh, you're out of your races. Maybe you don't have any as long workout or as long races you used to you will still be losing a lot and you still need to be diligent about your use of electrolytes to make sure that you stay on top of that. It's not just for the acute performance in the workout, 
but also for the performances in the workouts to come after how well you recover really does depend a lot on how well you hydrate as well if you want to buy the precision hydration box of electrolytes uh, you can get your first box actually for free with the promo code that triathlon show all on word all caps thank you as always for listening keep training smart and keep loving triathlon